Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Just like that, Chad. Final hour is here. Outkick 360. Glad you're with us. 6th and Peabody are location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. One of the, once every, what, three, four years, I feel like we get an all-time classic rant. You know? The, yeah. Mike, the Mike Gundy rant will live on forever. I'm a man, I'm 40. Last night, Bruce Pearl going ballistic on the officials post-game. While it wasn't in a press conference setting, it was live on the radio, on their post-game show. Chad, would you put this, what we're about to play, in the the annals of all-time great rants against officiating? I think this is almost less rant and more just guy losing his damn mind in a very entertaining way. It's also classic Bruce Pearl. Yeah. Knowing Bruce Pearl for years, this is just Bruce Pearl being himself into a microphone. You know, When you watch him on the sideline and you see the face get so red so quickly and he's yelling something at a ref or a oh. player... This is what it would sound like, what you hear in this rant right here about the officiating in last night's game. So here is Bruce Pearl after the loss in overtime to Alabama last night. We should have won the game. Um, very, very disappointing. Um, you know, obviously they made some, made some plays. We had a hard time staying in front of them at the end of the day. Um, I'm just sick and tired of our guys getting smashed down there. Smashed! Talk about the, the, the final possession <laughs> in, in regulation, Coach. That's amazing. Let's play. Message to your ball club after this one, Bruce. Just we played hard. It played well. You know, if, if that's the number one team in the country, you know, come on a road, hostile environment. You know, but we needed that one to get the NCAA, and we, and we didn't get it. Dylan Cardwell's hurt. He's probably not going to play against um, Tennessee because of his injury. We need his physicality. He got he got fouled down there at the uh, uh, in, in, at the end of the game. So, coach, just talk about what what Saturday represents now. Oh, just we'll get ready to play Tennessee. We were, we were incredibly outmanned at the end. Had three, four guys on the bench in foul trouble. Joke. Auburn head coach Bruce Pearl <laughs> joining us tonight. <laughs> The professionalism of the Auburn broadcasters, the best part about that. Coach, talk, talk about, about your uh, effort tonight uh, after a little bit of silence after he well, talked about the guy getting smashed. So normally I would say post-game interview, if you're angry, you take it from like a 7 and crank it up to 11. Yeah, you could feel it building. Yeah. There, like the, the ending of the three, first answer. 3 to a 12. Yes. Quickly. And lightning fast. Lightning fast. And then the end of it with, you know, what's the message to your team moving forward? Well, we're going to get ready to play Tennessee, and uh, that's what we're going to do now. And then it's a joke. And then slamming the headset down after yelling, it's a joke. To the cheers of the 10 fans behind him. Oh, it's great. And if you're watching us, you see the video. There's, like, some Alabama fans. It's a 
it's just a still camera shot on someone's computer probably that's facing out to an empty chair, but you see some Bama fans sitting front row watching the interview and listening and sort of applauding. You know, Bruce Pearl, like, hey, get out of here, you know, with the L. You're the Auburn coach after he gets upset about it. Bruce Pearl's got a gripe. Uh, Dylan Cardwell was just wiped out. And there was no foul call. There was another the controversial technical. time where uh, Quinterly just assaulted someone down low and they didn't call it. I know i got to be no. careful with assault no, no, no. when I'm talking about Alabama basketball. No, uh, well. But assaulted someone down low and they didn't call it also. But I, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the, the, the replays of the no, the no calls, but then they go to the review and then they end up ejecting guys and fouling guys. They end up with how many people on the bench fouled out? Three? He said three. He three said starters? four guys, three or four guys on the bench with fouled out or with with foul problems. So what it was this? an intense uh, physical game. I will say they Auburn, to their credit, and, and Tennessee did a lot of this too. They frustrated Brandon Miller a lot in this game. He he had multiple turnovers. Did not shoot the ball well. Did not have one of his better games. Because they really got up and pressured him. If you have the ability to do that, you can sometimes affect him that way. Not everyone can do it. But I thought Auburn did a good job of that. They're up 17 points in the second half. And Alabama goes on a 16-0 run. And it was back and forth the rest of the way. It goes to overtime. Look, it's that to me, Bruce Pearl encapsulates it better than almost anyone. But that's the emotion of sport that we're watching right there. I'm watching that. And again... It's very uncomfortable to me with the whole Brandon Miller saga and everything else, but you're watching Alabama. They won the SEC regular season title in overtime with that win. They rallied from 17 down. Nothing was really going their way. Auburn's hitting everything from three. They've got the exact game the way they need it to be. Katie Johnson is knocking down crazy threes. They're at Alabama. They win. They're comfortably in the NCAA tournament, winning on the road at Alabama, who may be the number one overall seed, and then... It is taken from you. Heard Bruce Pearl say it. He said, we needed this one to make sure we're in the NCAA tournament. We didn't get it. And then the emotion of him being upset with the officiating. Um, and also, I think, deep down, probably trying not to get to say something too specific to get fined by the conference for talking yeah. out about it. But look, that joke. That was a very, to me, just a human, <laughs> natural moment in sports, right? I mean, how many Auburn fans last night we're saying the same things Bruce Pearl was. I mean, that's, he just having to say in his post-game radio show. I had a coach growing up that would yell at me that way. Oh, yeah. That was just uh, commonplace. If you've played they, sports they long enough at all, you, you've got a coach that yells in that fashion. Seventh-day grade basketball. You just don't often, you don't often hear it on the post-game show. <laughs> so that's why. Look, I'm, I'm thrilled that Bruce Pearl did it there so we could capture it. And again, the unintentional comedy oh. of the play-by-play guy. Well, okay, coach. Uh, you know what's the mindset? What what do you what do you tell your guys after this? And you could tell they've been around him a lot. And like, this is not probably going well. And you could see it in his face. But also, that like it was the, just uh, the blood was boiling. They have the live cam going, but you can't see them because they're both standing up. I wish we could see them. Yeah, but that makes it even better. Is they're just standing in front of the camera, but you can't really make out who is doing what. Um, and I, I'm picturing Bruce Pearl yelling this and how red he must be. Uh, you know, oh, man. beat red from it. Um, Mike Bray. It, it was it was great. Oh, it was great, classic, great audio. Classic I, I really audio. enjoyed it. Mike Bray coached his final game at Notre Dame, and while he may not be retiring from the game, he's stepping away from Notre Dame basketball, and he promised he was going to party, win or lose, and he did. Uh, took shots, turned into a celebration with fans. Yeah, with, with students after the uh, after the game, after his final game with Notre Dame. 
Now, the controversy in this photo isn't that he's taking shots with students at a, at a local watering hole after the game. This is great. We want all of our coaches to be this open and fun and free. Uh, the controversy is that most everyone, they, they, they claimed it was Jameson's okay. that he was shooting. It'd be like, this is very on-brand that the Notre Dame coach is drinking Jameson's and sh- shooting Jameson's with students and young fans after the game. Uh, but everyone said, that, that looks more like fireball. <laughs> was the, the number one response yeah. was, that doesn't look like Jameson's. That looks like more of the tent of a fireball shot. What, what goes down easier? Uh, it depends on who you are. I mean, if you're Irish, <laughs> then I think the Jamesons goes down easier. But if you're 22, then the fireball goes down easier. Uh, depends on your preference. Yeah, fair enough. I think most people are more accustomed to taking fireball. Uh, fireball shots. This may be a regional thing, too. You know, we're in the South, so I feel like Southerners, if you had a shot and you said, let's do a fireball shot or let's do a shot at Jamesons, most would reach for the fireball. Because they're more familiar with that as opposed to Jameson's. Chad, Mike McCarthy is going to call plays in Dallas. Kellen Moore's out. He's now the OC out in, in Los Angeles with the Chargers. And I understand what he's saying here from the combine and his new role. But, I mean, it comes across as someone who doesn't understand that the criticism is score points when it matters. So the headline reads, and it's fair, Mike McCarthy thinks lighting up the scoreboard is a bad strategy for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, and the quote from the podium is, <laughs> I don't desire to be the number one offense in the league. I want to be the number one team in the league with a number of wins and a win a championship. And if we got to give up some production and take care of the ball better to get that, then that's what we'll do because we have a really good defense. Yeah, when you hear his full quote, it makes total sense. But what's the, the buzzword? Complimentary football. Yeah. That's what everyone wants to talk about. We want to play complimentary football. Football comp, or defense complements offense. Offense complements defense. Special teams complements <laughs> everything. And we're going to be a complimentary football team. I totally get what he's saying in that it's not worth it if we're throwing too many interceptions because we're trying to force the ball or we're trying to make the and big the defense play. defense is back on the field. There are times where we probably need to be, be a little more cautious and not turn the ball over because we also have a really good defense. I totally understand that. Now, I'd also say this is a great way to set expectation low if you're the head coach that's taking over play calling. We just got rid of, the, of our OC, and, yeah. it, it, and he specifically mentions Kellen Moore in, one, in part of his answer. I've been where Kellen has been. Kellen wants to light up the scoreboard, but I want to run the damn ball so I can rest my defense. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Fisher would be proud. Jeff Fisher, I mean, there's a lot of coaches that would be proud. Vince Lombardi. Uh, would also be proud. And look, it's a stellar move. Again, if you're replacing your offensive coordinator and taking over that role, to just say, you know, if someone wants to blame the lack of point production, don't blame me because I told you guys I'm not interested in being the number one offense in the league. We want to win games. So if that production goes down a little bit, Mike McCarthy can easily point to this is what I said would happen, and I wanted to set the bar a little bit lower for himself. Smart. Interesting quote as well out of Minnesota with the Vikings and general manager Kwesi Adolfo Minsa, who uh, in uh, so at the podium, then off the podium at the combine, the local writers and reporters gather and ask the local questions uh, specifically for those outlets. And he said that the team will keep Justin Jefferson in its conversations about roster building, adding, quote, he's a unique enough player. And I think that's probably right. And then on more on Jefferson. He's aligned with Kevin and I and the Wilfs. He just wants to win. It's the coolest thing to be around. So for certain, he's someone we're going to keep in all of our conversations. We treat everybody with respect, and we understand we need their buy-in. 
that from the general manager who is, of course, going to make Justin Jefferson extremely wealthy. Look, if you want to go to the player because it's a position they know or you know it's affecting their offensive side of the ball or whatever it may be, with you know personnel to sit that that's fine. If you know the players as great as Justin Jefferson, and you want to include him some in the process, you can talk to him and bat things around. I also go back to when we played Charles Barkley's comments about Adam Silver and warning against you know doing too much for the players and giving too much to the players, and eventually they take and take and take, and we get a situation where there's load management issues in the NBA, which should not be happening. So I would warn against that. Yeah. Justin Jefferson is going to be paid highly for a long time to be a wide receiver in the NFL. I'm not going to include Justin Jefferson on personnel decisions if I'm the general manager. If he's the quarterback and you're talking about bringing in a lineman or a receiver, I get it. And he's your franchise guy. You're going to talk to him about it. We talked about this when the Packers drafted a, a quarterback in the first round and didn't help out Aaron yeah. Rodgers. I would be pissed. If I was Aaron Rodgers and you had the lack of offensive line help or receiver this, help at the time, he had no weapons around him. And this him. is exactly why Stephon Diggs wanted yeah, out. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't like this. I don't like including receivers well, I think in personnel decisions. This is part of the negotiation, though, because he, uh, they have made it a priority, and they should. It's a no-brainer to extend him. He's eligible. Um, but the quotes are putting everything. like They are just making sure that Jefferson knows he is loved. And it's, it's unusual because it's not the quarterback. Minnesota is the weird outlier where in any other offense where the quarterback is producing the type of numbers to the receiver that Jefferson put up. He nearly had a 2,000-yard receiving season. Normally, the quarterback gets some of the rub on that, the credit. Cousins, Cousins gets isn't none. mentioned in that discussion. And that's why this negotiation is so fascinating because... Cousins will be back. The question is for how long and what they do behind him this offseason and whatever can be done in free agency or the draft. But the quote, I don't want to be the Vikings GM without that guy on our team. So it's a high priority. Talking about the extension. We've got to make sure we do it in the order that we can do it. And obviously, given all of other decisions we have to make. But keep in mind, Diggs wanted out. Minnesota traded before the current GM left. Tyreek Hill tapped out. He wanted out of KC. He got paid. A.J. Brown got paid, yeah. they're going to make sure that this guy's happy. And this is how you go about doing that. Sure, and there's a way to do that, I, I think, separate of you know keeping him in on personnel decisions. And I, I would also say it's probably not that involved. They're just like, hey, man, we're thinking about these guys. What do you think? At and they'll just go about – yeah, right? they'll, they'll go about and do whatever they want uh, separate of him, but they just want to make him feel included. Um, I would just say buyer beware on, on this, right? You can make guys feel wanted and loved and negotiate and give them the money they feel they deserve and keep them happy within your organization without you know, bringing in your wide receiver, albeit a star wide receiver, into personnel decisions. And they've got Dalvin Cook and then Kirk Cousins, who, of course, have contract decisions to be made as well. Uh, hit us up on social at Outkick360. Trey Wallace is just around the corner. We'll talk SEC headlines with Outkick's Trey Wallace next on Outkick360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. A reminder, you can see and read great coverage from Indianapolis with Armando Salguero, the NFL Combine. Not just players from college looking to jump to the pros. Coaches are wanting to do that too. The new article out, outkick.com. Trey Wallace joins us now. Uh, Trey, we're going to have Dan Mullen on the show tomorrow to chime in on this as well. But in the new era of NIL and all the headaches involved with recruiting, the NFL model for coaching is far more appealing even for assistant coaches right now. You know, it, it is Chad and, and I'm sorry, Jonathan and Chad, good to be on with you guys. And, and I, you know, I, I spoke to, to numerous former, you know, college coaches. I talk with NFL coaches currently right now spoke with, you know, and they all didn't make the, the piece, but you know, we're, we're, we're seeing, you know, 19 FBS assistant coaches uh, left this cycle. Uh, that's up from 18 and, and last season, so 2022. We're, we're, we're starting to see a little bit of a trend. And, and it's either, you know, some coaches wanting to step away uh, for a bit or, or some coaches maybe trying to get maybe a faster track to the NFL. I, I think it comes down to, you know, and, and a lot of people will make the argument, and I agree with them on the argument that, these college assistant coaches are getting paid a lot of money uh, to do what they do. I will counter that and say, okay, not as much as power, you know, non-power five, you know, coaches, group of five coaches and, and going down. But I think right now it, it's kind of a way of life kind of situation. You know, you, the recruiting calendar has been just completely flipped. I mean, it, it, you've added more stuff to it with the transfer portal that is going on, the two different ones, you know, now, you know, with recruiting, you know, I was I was even talking to Jason Brown about this uh, from last chance you and you know he was telling me about you know how JUCO has taken such a big hit right now uh, because all these coaches are you know you're focused on the players that can help you right now, uh, but then you're you know you're going after the four and five stars in high school recruiting and guys I just I just think you know digging a lot into it I, I see it from some of the sides where. There's a lot more that's been added to the plate, and and I think that, you know, the one of the biggest things I take away too, and I was I was speaking with T Martin about this. It's 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 not just okay everyday way of life. It's okay. Let's let's make up some time where you know we know that we're going to have that with our families, and and we know that you know a way of life can be different uh, in college coaching because you know. There are times, you know, where where you look around the country and, and some of these guys are getting burnt out, Jonathan. So it was an interesting piece. It really was. Yeah, and, and I'm reading it. And for so long, Trey, you know that there were certain assistant coaches, especially that they were known as they're really a, a good recruiter. You know, they're great in the living room. They're great at making connections and everything else. And I think about in the world we live now where anyone can just DM someone on Instagram or Twitter and anyone can talk to any prospect at any school, has that sort of diminished the role of the guy for years that we would say, hey, they've made great connections and they know all these people and they can get in the house with the family and they're really good in that setting to the point where maybe that's not as much of a thing anymore because everyone is is communicating electronically? 
I think Chad, like you, 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 you still have to have that closer on your staff. You, you still have to have that guy that can recruit these kids. Can, can you know, maybe not the guy that stays on the phone till one a.m. in the morning playing video games or whatnot and going back and forth. But you still got to have that. You know, I, I, in my opinion, a college football staff where okay, you've got ten on-field positions. How many of those are going to go to recruiters, and how many of those are going to go to straight coaches in a sense? Um, and, and I think it there has to be a, a, a pretty decent split. Um, I think when you you look at it right now in today's age of, of college football, you know, it, it, it's still about the building the relationships, man, or when it comes to the high school. You know, transfer portal's different. Transfer portal, you know, a kid enters and maybe you had a relationship somehow with that kid back in high school or you went on a visit or whatnot with that kid. And, you know, so – there's a way to 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 break the ice when it comes to a conversation. You know, transfer portal is easy in a, in a sense. Okay, you a kid's going to take a visit. Okay, they like it, blah blah blah. But they got to make a decision. And and I think when it comes to the high school part of it, I think you know you're you're having to to, to build those relationships up for for three to four years before the kid even steps foot on campus. And I think that's one of the big things when it comes to you know, the way that we have right now structures and who you have on your staff. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot easier to go to the NFL. And I mean this in a way of it's a lot easier to go to the NFL and knowing every day that you're going to go into the office, you're going to be working with professionals. You've got a GM that's going to handle roster management and the salary cap, which the salary cap in college football is now NIL. And you're not going to have a bunch of players coming up to you complaining potentially about I'm not making this much money compared to this player or whatnot. It's a professional league. And and that's what I hear from the NFL coaches that have been in the college ranks. It's that we don't have to deal with the drama every day. We don't have to stay on the phone till one o'clock in the morning, you know, wondering if a kid's feelings are hurt because of a social media post. You know, I, I think those are the big things when you look at family life and trying to do something outside of just coaching football it'd be chad it'd be like you know if with us you know if if we wanted to have a life but we were going to to one o'clock in the morning and we weren't around our families you're not getting to see baseball games with your kid yeah okay the, the pay might be great and whatnot but you still have to have a side life and i think that's what this recruiting calendar and what's going on in college football right now in my opinion if you don't have the right head coach at your school that values that I think it's getting lost, and I think that's why you're seeing a number of, of college coaches decide to try to move on. And, and let's talk possible solutions with this, because everything you bring up is is, is certainly valid. Um, you, you mentioned the NFL; they have their own personnel department, they have a, a front office that handles things with pay and salary cap and all of that. You've got Texas A yeah. and M, you know, getting their hand bit back a little bit by the NCAA, but trying to partner their athletic association with NIL where they can have a little bit more control over it. Trey, do you think, you know, moving forward, we discussed this earlier in the show, but if every major college could have a personnel department, essentially that runs NIL where some of these collectives are swallowed up by the university and they're hired on by the university, boy, that sounds like it would take a lot of headache away from the coaches who are building relationships with the kids and recruiting and just coaching them on the field. And then the moment they start talking about NIL payments or what they can make at the school, hey, let me transfer you over to Trey, uh, who's in our personnel department, who will talk to you about all that, and we'll get you set up and squared away. Do you think we're headed towards that? 
You know, I, I think we're, I, I agree with you too. I, I think we are, and I, and I forget his name right off the top of my head, and, and I can't believe I do, but LSU had a guy, uh, now I think he worked for Lane Kiffin, and they called him uh, the, the GM of the program. And I think at one time Tennessee was trying yeah, to go Yeah, he's, he's from the state I, of Tennessee. I'm, I'm looking up yeah, his name right now. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Hold on and yeah, I'll find so a that, young guy. Right, yeah, yeah. And that was his job. You know what I mean? Is is to try to to manage the roster. Um, I, I think when you know you look at programs, Austin nowadays, Thomas. It, yes, Austin Thomas. Yeah, that that's was it. it. Because he was he was in, in college station. And he was a highly sought after like recruiting coordinator guy for a bunch of programs. Well, he was. I mean, in, in, in talking with folks, and I just forgot his name right off the top of my head. But he was the one that was putting together, you know, and steering some of these recruiting classes in the right direction. For Austin, when it comes to like roster management, because you have different areas, director of player personnel, um, you got football operations guys. Like, I agree with you. I think that, you know, with Texas A&M uh, trying to bring it in-house when it comes to NIL, and that's pretty much what they're trying to do. Um, there, There's different ways you can go about that with fundraising and different ways you can go about that when it comes to coaches not having to deal with the NIL part of it, which Technically, they're not supposed to be doing anyways, but, you know, in, in talking with some of them, the, the first thing that some of these players want to talk about is, okay, well, listen, I heard my buddy who took a visit up there, you know, that he was kind of promised this much amount of money. Like, what can you guys do for me? And I think, you know, it, it's gotten to a point now where you have a lot of um, coaches, and it's not just NIL, guys. It's it's the recruiting calendar um, it's, it's days off. It's staying at the office till two o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, and I know that they get paid a good amount to do it, but I think, you know, the nature of the business is, is coming back and it's changed guys. And, and that's why I'm very curious to see what this looks like in three to four years, especially when it comes to, to staffs and how they put those together. Trey Wallace with us from Outkick.com. Jalen Carter, of course, in the headlines yesterday where he turns himself in. He's released 16 minutes later um, and booked and then released on bond. Heads back to Indianapolis to finish off any of the measurements and weigh-ins and other things that he was doing there. But what do you make of the, the detail that he changed his story with police at 4.30 in the morning that, no, in fact, I heard the wreck, that the fatal crash that took the life of uh, a former teammate and a former Georgia staffer, and then then changes it to, yeah, I was riding side-by-side side with him with my car. By the way, that's like the quickest booking I think I have ever seen yeah. in my life. Somebody can go in there, fingerprint, get a picture, do all that in the span of, what, 15 minutes? And Roughly, right back yeah. out the door. Yep. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, you know, I guess he had a plan to get back to Indianapolis. Um, no, Jonathan, I, it's it's. It's a little bit wild that, and I give a lot of credit to the AJC. Um, they have a lot of resources down there. They were able to dig into this, and people were wondering why, you know, they were looking into the adult entertainment club that the kids were at, and and looking at surveillance footage and whatnot. They weren't really looking for surveillance footage of, per se, just where the kids were walking all the time. They were also looking for the vehicles because mm-hmm. they had knew they had known something else had gone on. Um, so credit to them. And so I, I look at this right now, it's not a good situation. And I, and I, the fact that he, the, okay, the first, the lie, let's hit on that first. 
I can see where, whether you like this answer or not, that's up to you. And that's fine. But a young man who is in a traumatic situation that he saw his teammates crash into a house, whatever, if he was right there and he's a little frazzled um, and he doesn't tell the truth at first. I personally, I can see that. I'm not, I don't want to hold that against this kid for the rest of his life, that part. Okay. Um, but I also look at it, the situation where comes back to the scene, discusses it. And then the police have spent the last what, a month and a half, pretty much trying to decide uh, if they were going to charge him. And they, and, and I think it's because they, they finally had enough evidence um, when it comes to here's the videos, here's, you know, him speeding and, and, and according to the report, racing the other vehicle um, down a, a back highway. And I know exactly where that's at uh, right outside the Athens area. And yeah, I mean, it, it it's kind of like a four lane type of area. Um, so it has the opportunity. So I look, I think that it, this is a horrible circumstance for Jalen Carter. The timing of it couldn't have been the worst for the kid. And I'm not blaming anybody for the timing. I'm just saying overall, I would hope that Jalen Carter, I know there were reports out there that are saying that he didn't let any of the teams know about this. The ones that he had interviewed with, I guess it would have been Tuesday night yeah, um, or and even Monday, Jonathan. So if that's the case and they asked him straight up, hey, man, is there anything in the past that we might need to know about? Like, is there anything going on? Like, because guys, there have been rumors out there that something else was up with this situation. Uh, the, the the unfortunate car crash that's all the, the loss of life. Um, if an NFL team asked and he said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Wait, I, no, I'm, I'm good. Then all of a sudden, you know, Wednesday morning, AJC releases a report. 45 minutes later, the Athens police department issues a warrant for his arrest and you're in and now you have to go and jonathan and chad you guys know how this stuff works at the combine now you got to go back in front of these guys for the next three days and be like well okay yeah i did lie i did fib i didn't tell everything that was going on you know i'm going to be wrapped up in this for a while let's not forget something here this is not just the criminal case that's going on this is going to be most likely the civil case that's going to be filed against the University of Georgia by some of the family members in this case that he will have to be, he will be a part of if he is tied in any direction to that accident, he will be a part of and have to testify and whatnot. I'm just out loud thinking here. And I think overall, unfortunately, he's going to be tied to this situation for the rest of his life. And Maybe the evidence that comes out says that, okay, he wasn't drag racing or he wasn't speeding and switching lanes and whatnot with the other driver, Chandler Croy, the, the other driver of the vehicle who lost her life. Maybe that comes out and he's fully exonerated. But the, the reports right now and the police reports and what they had to arrest him with put him at the scene in a sense of, you know, not what caused it. I don't want to say he caused that accident. But what I am saying is he was a part of what led to the accident. And, and I just think, you know, that's going to follow him. But I say all that to say this, Jonathan, it's not going to surprise me one bit if he's taken number seventh or eighth in the draft. I mean, maybe not one or two, yeah. but it's still not going to surprise me if he's taken seventh or eighth. 
So Trey, shocking got, situation. Yeah, it's it's terrible situation all the way around. Um, SEC basketball tournament headed to Nashville next week. Let's talk a little SEC hoops. Bruce Pearl lost his mind post game last night. We played it a little bit earlier in the show. Uh, does he have a gripe with what he was complaining about after last night's overtime loss at Alabama? That was bad, man. That was some rough officiating. And look, it was rough officiating on both ends. But you know, when Bruce Pearl was, you know. I'm not going to yell the word smash, but when he yelled that twice, uh, and, and, you know, and, he, and he's on his post-game show, and, you know, it's look, it's Bruce Pearl as well. You know what I mean? He just lost Alabama. His team was up by 17 points with nine minutes and 24 seconds to go in the second half. Uh, they blow the lead. They get beaten overtime. Bruce is already pissed off at the situation in general. Uh, now you got to get him on a post-game show where, by the way, he's on the post-game show on the court while Nate Oates behind him is cutting down the nets for a regular season championship. So there was a lot going into that one scene. He was a lot calmer uh, during the Zoom availability that I was on, but I thought he had a gripe. I, I, yeah, I, I thought he didn't get a clear answer, um, you know, when it came to the foul call that led to the technicals and the, the dismissal of two Alabama players. And, um yeah, man, we're coming down the stretch here of, of, of college basketball, and his team is fighting to get in the NCAA tournament. And in my opinion, he's going to have to beat Tennessee on Saturday um, if they're going to chance at it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think he had a gripe, but, you know, that was a hell of a basketball game last night. Yeah, and Van- Vanderbilt upsetting Kentucky, another great game yeah. and a really great <laughs> win for, for Jerry Stackhouse. And you look at Vandy now, I mean, I, I, it's still going to take a miracle run, I think, to get even into the NCAA conversation. But Trey, if they just avoid going to two and fifteen LSU in the SEC and losing a week ago, that win over Kentucky probably puts them in that next four out type discussion. You know, with with what they've done, uh, just a crazy unforeseen win on Kentucky Senior Night last night for Vanderbilt. Well, I mean, let's and you got the Tennessee win as well. Yeah, so, a buzzer beater yeah, at home. Yeah. yeah. If you if you win, I mean they've won seven out of the last eight games, Chad. So yeah. if you if you'd have just beaten LSU, honestly, there could have been a scenario after that win last night against Kentucky where they could be part of the last four in right now. So you know, go take care of business on Saturday, and I think it was probably gonna. It's probably it would probably take Vanderbilt winning uh, on Thursday and Friday. To probably get in the NCAA tournament depends on who the game is. Uh, well, on here's Thursday. here's the crazy but, thing, Trey. They may not play till Friday. There's a very likely I, scenario where Tennessee's playing on the road at Auburn in a must-win situation for Auburn. They may not win yes. that game. If they lose, right. Missouri's got Ole Miss at home. That they would be a double bye team. Kentucky could very well lose at Arkansas. Yep. Vandy beats Mississippi State at home. It is Vandy and Missouri with the double buys. And Kentucky and Tennessee playing on Thursday, and it's a weird spot because I think Vandy needs the extra wins. They almost need to play on Thursday of the SEC tournament and get another SEC win at that point, and then win on Friday and probably win on Saturday with whoever they play to I mean, get to the championship game to have a chance. I mean, Chad, you don't want to probably as a Vanderbilt fan, they don't want to, but I, I think you're rooting for like Tennessee to beat Auburn this weekend. Like you, you need extra opportunities. To to impress the the march the 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 committee and I and and, it, and it's look it is so crazy that we're going into this last weekend 
and that three four spot is still right there. You know, if Texas A and M wouldn't have screwed up against Mississippi State, they'd be playing Alabama this weekend for a regular season championship. But they screwed up; they got beat. You look at Vanderbilt, you know, seven of the last eight. Tennessee's going on the road to Auburn, which is going to be a crazy environment, in my opinion, in a game without Zakai Ziegler, where they finally have to be like, okay, we don't have this guy. How are we going to play this now? You know, with Tyree Key or whatnot. So, like, yeah, they could lose that one. And then Vanderbilt could honestly slide in. And and does that, would that be like, would the committee be like, well, wait a minute. If Vanderbilt has won, let's just say, eight out of their last nine games, and they got a double bye in the SEC, which was decently tough this year, should that be enough for them to get in just off that alone and maybe win that first game on Thursday? Like, I could see that happening. Like, I give credit, man. Like, they were ready to fire Stackhouse at the beginning of the year. They were ready to fire Stackhouse last well, year. F- fans were. <laughs> Let's be clear. No, no, that, no, that, that university right. has never shown any. They gave him an extention no. before the season. Yeah, the fans no. wanted yeah, to give him a raise. Yeah. Not, I, I, let, me, let me rephrase that. The, the university <laughs> would give him a 10-year extension after yeah. three games into the season if they could. But I'm saying the fans were all – so. Hey, hey, it's a good story. And, the, and the SEC, is, I think, has brought us good stories this year besides the last couple of weeks. Just keep this in mind. To me, tournament play starts this weekend in the SEC because Vandy yes. hosting Mississippi State. Mississippi State's the last four in right now. They badly need that also to go on the road and beat yep. a good Vandy team. Vandy has to have it, right, if they want to have any chance to play into the SEC tournament and play well and win. Uh, Tennessee's playing for a double bye at Auburn without their Auburn's playing for their lives on Saturday. There's just a lot of intrigue. And then you've got Arkansas who had been playing very well. I was surprised, honestly, Tennessee was able to win the way they did, Trey, losing Zakai Ziegler with 17 minutes left in the first half of that game. But well, I agree with you. And he goes down, yeah, three minutes into the game, and Tennessee still comes out in the way that they won against Arkansas. I was not expecting that, especially with the talent the Razorbacks have on their 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 squad. You know, Nick Smith, such a good player. Um, yeah, so you know, Tennessee has some work to do in trying to figure out what this offense is going to look like without Zakai on the court. Um, it's going to look a little different, in my opinion. Maybe you throw, you know, Tyree Key in that spot. Doesn't seem like Rick Barnes wants to play B.J. Edwards at all. So you know, who do you run with? Um, you know, does Santi? Uh, Vescovi run the point guard. It's it's going to be very interesting on Saturday because Saturday is, you know, I know the SEC tournament is a big deal for a lot of people. And I would say for like, you know, like Tennessee's case this year, like I don't know if you're going to win the thing. Like you won it last year. Like you better figure out what your roster looks like over these next two guaranteed games. Tennessee's guaranteed two more games before we get to March Madness. So figure out what the offense is going to look like heading into March Madness. So that's what I look at. And you were, t- I mean, just to wrap it up, you were talking about Kentucky. I mean, if they go to Arkansas and lose this weekend, I'm just, that that program is going, in my opinion, takes a step back. And then uh, then you got $9 million Calipari who doesn't feel like doing post-game radio last night. So things are really trending upwards in Lexington. Check out the Trey Wallace podcast at OutKick.com. Coach JB is uh, the guest this week. Trey, always uh, great to have you on, man, and we'll catch up soon. 
Guys, thanks for having me. Have a wonderful weekend and uh, look forward to seeing you guys next week in Nashville. Thanks, thanks yeah, Trey. Can't wait. We'll see him in the studio. Trey Wallace of Outkick.com with us. You know, Elston went to the post game interview last night? Bruce Pearl. But he did it anyways and he yelled the entire yeah. time as he did it. He but he advan- still did it. He, he did took his- advantage of it, though. Yeah, but he fulfilled his responsibility after a tough loss. So, he, you know, That's right. credit for that. Coming up, we. Uh, Switch gears. There's a thread on social media that's outstanding, and we are going to be quizzed on the cool U.S. presidency. That's an Outkick 360. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I sent this along to Davey Hudson last night, Chad. And I haven't looked through all of these, but I got a great laugh out of the thread on social media uh, with every American president, but the caveat is they're extremely cool and they're all sporting a mullet in the photo. So it's a throwback and you have to figure out who's who and how they recreated the, uh, the, pres- the presidential portraits. I've only seen one and I was impressed. Davey's picked out a handful of them. Uh, and Davey, I guess these are your favorites, right? Yes, that they are. So this is Bill Clinton, right? Uh, the, that is correct. The, the aviators with the... The hair gives it away, Chad. Uh, but then the, the flowing mullet also fits the era, I feel like. It I mean, lo- that, that looks like an old man from Arkansas. Yeah, that chiseled face. I mean, uh, he looks terrific. He looks like he should be running Roadhouse in the movie. Like, he's the one that actually owns the sole proprietor of that, that outfit. Um, this is terrific. Yeah, so Cam Harless was the guy that put all these together, all 46 presidents. And so, yeah, we're going to start off with Bill Clinton, but then... Uh, he was the 42nd president, just so you get a little fun facts out of this. But uh, Tyler, go ahead and let's go to the next one. Camaro hair there. Oh, Andrew Jackson. There you go. All right, seventh Chad, president. Your thoughts on the uh, the black hair with the burns uh, with the tie, which we... <laughs> we well, I, I think that we've taken some liberties here uh, yeah. because I, I had no clue when I first saw this that this could be Andrew Jackson until, until you said it. So if you could just change someone's hair color... As yeah. to when they were president, then this really younger. opens up some possibilities. Make them younger and cool, though. Right? Yeah, but this, that, to me, the, uh, that looks very similar to You know Andrew what this Jackson. looks like? This looks like Daniel Day-Lewis it, portraying yes, Andrew yes. Jackson in a movie yes. that I'm sure he went full method on and never broke character the Got entire the, time. Uh, the El Camino headrest there was the, uh, the mullet, John. Member of the militia. What's next, Davey? All right, Tyler. Anybody have any, any clue who this is? <laughs> oh, Oh, my goodness. This is a hard one. Uh, uh, Grant? Not quite. Okay. I have no idea. Are, so we're adding beards now, too, or is this, was this the beard? No, this guy had a beard. Trust okay. me. This is James A. Garfield. I don't know if he was uh, that bald on top, but he definitely did have the full beard there. Look uh, at the flow, Jeff. James A. Garfield looks a lot like a balding David Reed. Yes, Our good buddy yes. uh, is who, who this looks like Chad, when I first saw it. it. Should there be a rule that if you are balding this this way that you don't grow it out on the sides, uh, you just go full head shake? You know, it's it's uh, it's of the era, I think, right? Like if you're in the 70s, 80s, you've got to yeah. grow a long flowing mullet to go with the, the balding hair. 
But I think now the you know the trend is just shave it all off. I thought you guys were going to do like smash or pass for this, and I mean this one's obviously a hundred percent smash, right? Uh, th- this would be yes. Uh, yes, absolutely. There's a lot of machismo going on in this one, so yes, yeah, smash. I would, right. uh, that, I would call that the mud flap. Yep. All right, Tyler. This is a Kentucky waterfall. Wow. That we're looking yes, at it here. Is. Um, I have no it looks idea like who a this member is. of the Kentucky Headhunters. Is it Taft? He, this guy was execu- uh, assassinated, not executed. <laughs> he was assassinated, if that, if that helps. I can get you down to four. William McKinley? Oh, sorry. No, Garfield was assassinated. I apologize. This is Chester Gar- A. Arthur. Chester A. Arthur was not assassinated. Yeah, Garfield was assassinated. That's why I went with McKinley <laughs> next. I'm just going down the Chester list of assassinated Arthur, who presidents. Was, who was the only president to get stuck in his bathtub. No, that was Taft. Uh, ta- yeah. That was Taft? Taft. William Taft. Arthur. What did Arthur do? Who died of, he's like poisoned. Like I think that was, poisoned himself. Is that Arthur? Yeah. Uh, let's see here. This Probably. is just showing our lack of presidential knowledge now. We're confusing Fun the presidents facts. and how they died. We know the facts. We just don't know who they're about. Yeah, I think all four but of them if, were shot. If we're playing smash or pass, I'm going to go pass Yeah, pass on this, on one. this too. Yeah. Yeah. It looks the like last Joe, one's smash. It looks this like the, the late, great, may rest in peace, Joe but, Diffie. But Chester did follow <laughs> up James Garfield. So he, he was his successor. I just now learned that Joe Diffie's dead. So yeah, I'm yeah very dude. He's like one of the first guys to go out with COVID. R.I.P., man. Rest oh, in peace, Joe Diffie. Sad times. All right, one more. Who we got, Tyler? Oh. Any clue? Is it JFK? Yeah, Kennedy? he was like, Kennedy, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think the early... This <laughs> is going to sound weird. Billy Ray Cyrus. Much harder of a smash on the actual <laughs> version of JFK <laughs> than this. This is the only one that's actually made the president look worse than he did. Yeah. JFK, a very handsome man. A beaver this paddle this back look there. has made it a little bit <laughs> worse. Um, so I'm going to go pass only because yeah, I, pass on this I too. feel like the exercise is to make them look cooler and better. And JFK as JFK look cooler it's and better. That's cool. Yeah. They should have just left him alone, right? Yeah. And everyone else. Just added a mullet. Yeah, just add the mullet. Um, you, we're going to retweet the full link. You can see all of the, uh, the presidents. And it's outstanding uh, when you see them. And you're really well to done. Thanks for, yeah. thanks for bringing that to my attention. Also, thanks for letting me know that Joe Diffie's now passed away. Yeah. I'll Ruining to, my entire uh, week. We're coming tomorrow. Join us for Outkick 360. And so I thank, I thank all of you. And I am because you are.